we don't think of it as something that cannot be solved. Meet Matt Denlinger, Cedar Rapids police investigator. I do get a motivation from the victim's families and friends to see their desire to have a resolution or at least a complete and thorough investigation done on their case. This is Inside Cedar Rapids, a monthly podcast that introduces you to the people, projects, and programs of your local government. And on this episode, we talk about Cedar Rapids Police Department cold cases with Matt Denlinger. Hey, Matt, thanks for your time. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be here. You bet. So, Matt, what do you consider a cold case? We like to look at a couple things on a cold case. I like to really kind of focus on the more severe crimes. Generally, we focus on homicides. So anything more than a couple of years old that's maybe lost some traction or, or the leads have dried up to the point where the current investigators have moved on to, to focus on stuff that's a little more solvable in the, in the meantime. So then after a couple of years, an active case has moved to a cold case? Yeah, there's not a, like a set time, but at times when you're working on investigations or homicide investigations, sometimes it feels like um, you've lost momentum or traction in that particular case, and, and maybe you're kind of at a loss for, for things to do. And you might put it aside and work on a, a more current case or something that's a little, little more solvable in the, uh, in the immediate future. And sometimes these cases will, will sit around for a while, and that's, that's where the cold case unit comes in. We like to just pick them up and, and go through them periodically just to see if there's anything that maybe was missed or, or something that's changed about the situation that could be revisited. Right. So how many cold cases is the police department working on? Well, the unit consists of myself and, and two other uh, retired investigators. So we kind of uh, dabble in about six cases currently that we've done a little bit on in the last couple of years. Some of them we've had better results than others, as you've probably seen. Absolutely. So I imagine these cold cases can be very frustrating. What personally keeps you motivated when you're working on a cold case? Well, myself and uh, J.D. Smith and, and Ken Washburn, who work on them, we're all kind of wired the same way. We just love the challenge of it. We don't think of it as something that cannot be solved. I like to think of it as, as kind of a, a challenge or a puzzle. And I like to, you know, I like to think that other people looked at it and kind of... Uh, were either uh, frustrated or just at their wits end with it and kind of gave up on it. But I like to think that, you know, we have more perseverance and that we're just willing to stick with it a little bit longer, which is really all that's needed in a few of these cases. Right. And I guess thinking there still are families out there that still want answers, right? Absolutely. Uh, I've gotten calls, you know, recently from family members on cold cases that maybe weren't at the top of my uh, list of things to do, but I picked them up because I've met with the family and they, you know, explained what's going on and I just felt a kind of a connection with the families. And so I, I really, I do get a motivation from the, the victims, families and friends to see their desire to have a resolution or at least a complete and thorough investigation done on their case. And so we do draw a lot of motivation from meeting with those people. And I imagine as time goes on, you probably get a random phone call or email saying, hey, on this cold case, I just came across something or I remember something or something triggered this and I just want to let you know about it. Does that happen often or I suppose it does happen from time to time? 
Yeah, it happens all the time, actually. Probably a couple times a week, people will call about some really obscure stuff that maybe even happened uh, as long as 40 years ago. And I appreciate them, but they just call and, and share that with me, and then I can kind of filter whether or not I, I find any value in their information. Right, and you never know what something might be very valuable. Somebody thinks of something or remembers something or finds something and thinks it might be insignificant when it turns out it could be extremely helpful. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So let's turn to advanced technology. We're just talking about people calling in. What about all the new technology that we have today? Do you think that will help solve more cold cases? It's helping solve more cold cases all over the United States. Just since uh, last year, about this time when they uh, solved the Golden State killer case, people have started using advanced DNA technology, and it's almost on a weekly basis that you turn on the news and see that another case has been solved using the same technology that they used and that we eventually used in our case. Yeah, technology playing a much bigger role. So, Matt, because there is an upcoming trial, we understand that you can't go into the specifics of the 39-year-old cold case that involved the arrest of an individual for the murder of Michelle Martinko, who was found stabbed to death in December 1979. However, we learned that your dad was also an investigator and was involved in the early stages of this case. Can you tell us about this unique connection? Yeah, whenever there is a crime of this nature, pretty much everyone in the Detective Bureau steps forward to help out in the early stages of an investigation. And my dad, Harvey, uh, he started with the Cedar Rapids Police Department in 1970, and he was a detective at the time of this crime. And he retired in 1999, which is actually the year I started. So we overlapped by one year, which was a pretty fun experience. But yeah, he did a lot of the uh, entry-level uh, interviews, a lot of witnesses, canvas in the area, things of that nature. So if this cold case is solved and there is a conviction, that would really be unique for your father and yourself having worked both ends of this. It would be. I think it's kind of special. Uh, when we when we get together occasionally, I, I use him as a little bit of a, a sounding board or a resource and uh, just, to, just to talk about the case, you know, hey, what were people thinking back in 1979? What was, uh, what was the area like? You know, I was a, a younger kid back then, and so, you know, he's got a, kind of a, a view of the world, or Cedar Rapids in particular, in 1979, that it's a little hard to get from just reading reports. Right. That's so true. So if anyone has information about a case, even if they think it may not be important or relevant, we were just talking about how tips from the public are extremely useful in cold cases. What should they do? Uh, well, we'd like you to, if you have any tips uh, on any uh, cases that you believe may be related to Cedar Rapids, we'd like you to call the cold case unit at 319-286-5442, and you just leave a message for myself, and then we will uh, sort through that. Matt, that's great. Well, we're happy to know that you're on the case all the time, and if you could just wrap this up for us, anything you want to say about... Uh, the cold cases that are still ongoing in Cedar Rapids? Yeah, we're currently working on uh, anywhere between uh, four and six cases at any given time. And if you have any information or you have any other particular cases that you'd like some more information about or you, you have something you'd like to share with us, please don't hesitate to call. I just encourage people not to... Um, 
if they're even even wondering if their information is even a little bit useful, please call and and uh, we we can figure that out together. That's right. You don't know what may seem like an insignificant tip may actually help crack the case. So if you think you have information that may help solve a cold case, give Matt and his team a call. Matt, this has been great. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Bill. To learn more about the City of Cedar Rapids Police Department, go to cedar-rapids.org slash police. That's cedar-rapids.org slash police. And if you like what you've heard, please share it on your social channels and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out the full library at cityofcr.com. This is Inside Cedar Rapids. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.